Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. It's good to see you all here today. Thanks. That little Nas X was a great little job there. <laughs> yeah, for some of you, you have no idea because you're Beatles fans. Don't worry about it. It's a joke because my kids bring me up the culture all the time. But um, I'd like you to do something. Next week, we're back into the book of Matthew. We'll be picking it up in Matthew chapter 25, the end of the chapter. Uh, if you are our guest today, we usually pick up the book of the Bible and walk through it. And so that's where we're picking up next week. But pull out your cell phones. You've got a cell phone on you. Pull out your cell phones because I want to prep you in advance of what we're going to do. Because we are actually going to end up taking a journey as a community. And uh, uh, I want you to be prepared. So um, it starts next week, even though I'm getting you prepared now. And after the life lesson... Uh, or right now, all I want like you to do is open up your texting and text the word soul to one 787 4625 So the number on the screen. Just text soul to that number. And uh, what's going to happen is you're going to get a response. Now that response is going to say, um, World Vision Canada, thank you for joining Soul Sanctuary Matthew 25 Challenge. Watch for daily challenges to arrive by text the evening before your challenge begins. Now, You've done that, now just be patient because everything will kick in next Sunday night after we go through and I unroll what the challenge is regarding Matthew 25, all right? So now you have it in your hand, you have it hopefully in your phone, and we as a community are going on a crazy journey, and it will be very interesting. And it's about living Matthew 25. Now, last week we unrolled our vision, and in case you need a little refresher, Soul Sanctuary's vision is... Um, uh, which is really the why we do what we do, is we desire to be a community, a spiritual refuge for all people, a community based in the grace of God to facilitate repair for those who are hurting, a community that rejuvenates, equips, empowers people uh, to their fulfill their God-given destiny. Our mission, which is really the how we do it, the, uh, and I said last week the no, go, and grow, uh, no grow and go, but we put it a little bit more succinctly, um, and we exist to see people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And we broke that down a little bit. And this past week, staff has sort of gone over the what. So we have the, we have the why, we have the how, and the what. And we have identified what we call four core family values that share who we are and the decisions that we make. And we don't compromise on these values as they actually unite us as a church family. And so our family values, the what is that we believe the message of Jesus is for everyone. And this is where we focus on our, our weekend gatherings, not just on Sunday, but on Friday with our kids' ministry that, that turns this place upside down. But that's the major focus. We believe that we can't do life, uh, life alone. The importance of life group and having community together, people speak into your lives. Uh, we believe in taking the next step, which is growth tracks, which is coming up. And if you haven't been a part of it, we highly encourage you to to register and be a part of that. And we believe that we can make a difference. Um, and so what we do is we take our mission and we break it down a little bit. And, and uh, you know, the point number one was to know God. And uh, the why is to be a community of refuge, repair, and rejuvenation. So remember, whenever you hear the why, you're going to say, well, to be a community of refuge, repair, and rejuvenation. The how is, again, we want to introduce the life-giving message of uh, uh of Jesus Christ so that people can know God. The what? Uh, when it comes to knowing God is we have this dynamic weekend gathering, Friday, Sunday. You know, we believe that the message of Jesus is for everyone. We don't exclude, we don't alienate. It's for everyone. 
then we find freedom. The why? To be a community of crickets? No, work with me. Refuge, repair, rejuvenation, right? For all people. The how? We invite uh, people to shine the light on the dark places of the light. That's how we find freedom, right? We, we look into those dark places. And what do we do? Well, we champion midweek life groups because we believe that you can't do life alone. Discover our purpose. The why? The community of? And that's why I pay him the money to be on staff because he gets it. The how is we challenge people to pursue their God given destiny, which is to discover the purpose, why we're here. The what is that we participate in growth tracks because we believe then in taking a next step. What's our next step? And then finally making a difference. The why is to be a community of? Very, okay, some of you are getting it. The how is that we joyfully, and I love this, we joyfully serve others with our time, treasures, and talents. In other words, that we make a difference in people's lives. And the what out of that is that we give and serve faithfully because we believe that we can make a difference. So last week I mentioned that our catchphrase for the year is going to be make a difference. And again, why? Because according to Ephesians 2.10, we are his masterpieces, that he has created us to do good works that he has prepared for us in advance to do. So God has already set up the plans for us. He is the architect of our lives. And we are the builders. We are the implementers. And so the question is, what is your next step in growth and, and moving forward with God? And maybe your next step is making a commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe it's actually, well, now my next step is going to be involved in a life group. Or maybe it's going to a growth track. Or maybe it's serving on one of our dream teams. Maybe it's being more active in prayer. Maybe it's, ah, I got to get some stuff straightened out. I need some more counseling. Or maybe I need to be more committed in reading to Scripture. Or I need to increase or even begin in my giving. And, or maybe I just need to start participating in missions or conferences. Or, you know, enrolling in our internship program. Which, again, will start in, in August, uh, September of next week. What's your next step? Now, the church isn't a building, and the church isn't an event. The church is people. And the church is the called-out people of God. It's a holy community of redeemed sinners, hence my greeting to you every Sunday. We all tend to long for authentic community, and as humans, we actually cl cluster into communities. And sociologists would actually say that what happens is that wherever uh, there are overlaps of intent, uh, experience, identity, you begin to see community form. And so humankind cannot help but form communities amongst themselves because the nature of the Creator God is wired within us. And God's nature itself is communal. We worship a God who's three in one, the triune God of the universe. The God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, in perfect communion, perfect harmony. That that God creates everything. He sits at the epicenter of all reality. And it shouldn't be a surprise that we are drawn to community. That we well, have, you know, um, part of me thinks I need to do a Trinitarian primer here. But I, that has to happen at a later date. I'm not going to do that. Um, humankind is drawn towards and desperately needs to be in community with one another. The very essence of our being, because we're created in the image and the likeness of God. Read that in Genesis 1. God is a community calling us to be a people of community. And we see this spill out now onto the canvas of creation. 
But unfortunately, as we read, we see that sin enters the world and it fractures what God has created and the effect is felt throughout the cosmos. The Bible all the way through the redemption of Jesus to today is all about this fracture. And so our lives are playing out in a day and age where there is such deep hunger for communion. But all we can get is this loose connection with others. And it's kind of ironic to me that the more technologically advanced we become, actually the more disconnected we are. Most of the technology that is sold to us is telling us how it will make the important things in our lives so much easier or make the harder things in life uh, go quicker so we have time for the things that matter most. But actually, in reality, I see lots of our technology creating a further rift in all of our relationships. Especially when you use caps in email or in text. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm going to tell them. Right? And and we say things that we would never say face-to-face through this impersonal media. You know, text, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of these give the appearance, appearance of connecting to the cyber world. But in reality, it's all so impersonal. And so today, people are doing more things to connect. But the connections are increasingly superficial. Swipe right. And what's more, they don't need, it doesn't meet the deepest needs that we have. Now, I'm not a hater of social media, yet Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Grindr are simply shallow ways of knowing that doesn't satisfy what's going on in people's soul. In fact, what we're learning from research is actually aggravates the deeper part of us that's longing for real connection and real communion with other people. You ever find yourself scrolling through maybe Instagram and you're feeling, you're feeling this low-grade hum of agitation? You ever get pissed off going through other people's stuff? You ever do that? Oh, did I say that? Yeah, I did. Because that's what happens. And what is it? What it is, is actually our soul wanting more for us than what we're actually getting. We're not connecting. And here's how community is defined by our social sciences. It's a community is an emergent quality. It is perceived connection between a group of people based on, like I said earlier, overlaps of intent, identity, interest, and experience. The best way actually to think about it is, you know, go back to your... um, high school time when you grew up in high school or maybe you remember a high school movie or TV show and you see it actually played out very clearly. Now again, if you're raised in homeschool and you only had a graduating class of five, you won't see that played out. But here it is. You know, you, you have the athletes, you have the jocks and what they would do, they f- would form their little community. You'd have the, the theater art kids, they would form their little community and you also would have the band kids and they would form their little community. And then you would have the, the nerds who everybody will be working for later and they would form their own little community. And then you would have the anti-establishment group. Now when I was in high school, it was the punk rockers and then eventually I could see it morph into the grunge and the goth and the you know unicorn kids. I don't know what it is now, but they all form their own little community. And, and that have you ever noticed that it's not just one person like that's wearing black or wearing the punk rock outfits and mopey, but there's always like 40 of them together. And so they're so anti-establishment, and yet they can't help themselves. And so they reject this other community only to form a community that rejects community. You you tracking with me? And you can't escape this because we're hardwired by the Creator to seek it and to find it. And we will find it even when we try to ditch it. And even as we shake our fist at the establishment, we will simply organize around anti-establishment. And you can't get out from under this communal nature 
of humankind. It's who we are. We need it. And yet, a culture of authentic community in the church is really hard to foster. You know, there's this pressure always, you know, for whatever reason, to present your life as the ideal Christians. And so we hide behind our struggles and slap on our plastic smiles. And when vulnerability is replaced by this hypocritical masquerade, the church itself is lost. The church is made up of self-confessed sinners who have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. And if any people on the planet should have the freedom to be authentic, it has to be the Christian. So how can you help us then create this sort of culture of authentic community in our church? You know, how can we build meaningful relationships with other Christians for the mutual building up of the body? Last year, I talked about six qualities when it came to life groups, you know, that we have to implement in the process. Let me remind you to be intentional, to be hospitable, to be available, to be teachable, to be forgiving, to be vulnerable. Six simple things. When we ask you to be intentional, rather than just, hey, how's the weather, you know, ask questions that encourage people to open up. Actually take time, stop, look in their eyes, and, you know, create that opportunity to dig deeper and to encourage one another. Being hospitable. You know, find opportunity to invite others into the rhythm of your life. If you're making dinner, invite somebody over to enjoy it with you. If you're going to go out for coffee or lunch, invite people into the routine of your life. Even today, somebody's going off. Invite them to join you. You can say, hey, look, we're going to go Dutch or, you know, Min and I treat yourself. In other words, you pay for you and I pay for me. Let's just make it happen, but let's get together. If you want to be really generous, then pick up the bill. That's even better. But invite, be intentional with your conversations, going together deeper when it comes to talking about Jesus. When we say be available, you know, community can't really be manufactured through planning. You know, sometimes there's going to be a friend who needs you to drop what you're doing and to pray with them. There's going to be a crisis where they need you and you have to provide support. Maybe you're having a terrible day and you need to talk to somebody to share your sorrows that you've been carrying through the night. You know, if we're going to foster community in our lives and in our church, we've got to learn to be a little bit less busy. We've got to learn not to overschedule ourselves so you know, we don't have time to be available for those who need us. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. No, you know what? Nobody really cares because we're all busy. Stop saying that. Nobody cares. Stop saying you're busy. We're all busy. How are you doing? want to say I'm busy, but I can't, right? It makes us think a little bit more. How am I doing? Being intentional, being available. Intentionality leaves time open and unscheduled so that you can actually drop what you're doing to be there for others. With that in mind, let me just add a little awareness to our community. This is the picture of Jordan and Claire Isaac along with their son, Matthew. Matthew is diagnosed with a fast-growing cancer that's intertwined with his brainstem. They're a part of our community. As a matter of fact, uh, Claire is the one who heads up our Christmas decorations. And I know that their life group has come alongside them and helped them out in many ways, but I'm bringing this to your attention in case there are those here who want to help make a difference. See, Matthew um, has been approved for actually an experimental therapy or treatment. Can you put that slide back on? Because I want that email address to be up there. Uh, he's been approved for an experimental treatment simply because there's nothing else that the doctors can do here. So he's just finished his chemo. 
and now he's going to go to the U.S., and he's going to be treated in the U.S., and his treatment and his drugs are covered. However, there's many other costs that are not. And so in talking to his father, Jordan, he was asking me if there are people in our community who are absolutely interested in providing meals or house cleaning or grocery shopping or spending time with Matthew as a daytime attendant or a play date, just to mention a few. And so you can actually email Jordan directly at isaacjmk at gmail.com or if you want his phone number, you can just contact me at the office and I'll give you a cell. And any way that uh, you can provide help and, and service to a family that's in need, uh, there's also a GoFundMe page if you want to be able to help them out in that area. But this is, these are people in our community who have come to me and said, would you help? Are we available? And then we say we're teachable. And in genuine gospel community, everyone should take a posture of humility and teachability. And I think we do have a lot to learn from one another, and, and others may be able to see blind spots that we're missing, but we need to be constantly teachable. We also need to be constantly forgiving. Because it means that when we enter into a deep and authentic relationship with other people, you know, we actually expose ourselves to be hurt. And oftentimes, other people may say something that actually deeply wounds us, be it intentional or not. And when those times happen, it's vital that you and I begin to offer forgiveness. When we allow others, their offense, when we allow others' offenses to fester in our life, the poison of bitterness creeps into our heart and it begins to eat away at our soul. And so we need in community to be quick to forgive. And finally, we need to be vulnerable, laying down our guard and opening up. And honestly, it's scary and it's risky, it's terrifying, yet essential for the gospel community to be courageous enough to let people see the real you. And when we let our guard down and when we're vulnerable with one another, authentic community is the result. And my hope is that these qualities will help you seek and foster authentic community not only in your life, but also in the life of Soul Sanctuary. You know, may we not settle for anything less than authentic, honest, and vulnerable community. My encouragement to all of you is to get involved in a life group. Now, again, some of you are going, really, a life group is really not all that hard to get involved in. You know, maybe you're just actually a little worried um, about the life group thing. Maybe you're thinking you don't need a life group. Maybe you've attended a life group once, right? Or maybe you're thinking, I'm not going to go to some group and spill my guts and get vulnerable and share all my feelings. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he actually felt that way. We live in a culture where connecting with others has become increasingly unnatural and abnormal. And it's strange when you think about it, and it certainly hasn't always been this way. Genesis chapter 2, wasn't good for man to be alone. Now, yes, this verse reflects more to the man needing a wife, but it's also true in general that being alone is not a good thing. You know, we have a word to describe those who are alone in our culture. It's lonely. I don't know if you've heard it before, right? Loneliness is not a part of God's design for the human race. He created us to be together, to need each other. We are designed by God to live in relationship. We are physical beings, so we need to take care of ourselves physically. We're mental, so we need to sharpen our, ourselves mentally. We're also spiritual, so it stands to reason that we should take care of ourselves spiritually, and we do it together. And God not only creates the heavens and the earth and everything in it, but He also called everything at creation good. The one thing that He said was not good is that when Adam was no, noticed as being alone, 
So we're made to be part of a group or a family. We're made to be included, and God has designed us not to be alone. And having two or even three others around you is what it's all about. We all need people who love you, who watch out for you, who got your back. We all need those people in our lives, and we're made to be part of a group. We're made to be part of a family. And as, as humans, God has designed us wired us not to be alone and it's more than just marriage the fact is you and i we need each other you know i've, I've heard this before at soul you know you know uh, community is just a buzzword at soul okay they're not here anymore it's just a buzzword i also heard that uh <laughs> gotta be careful the inside voice wants to come out you know, I, and I've been told this, when Seoul was smaller, community was easier to find. Now that it's bigger, there's none. So now I need to go elsewhere to find it. Okay. And yet, on the other hand, I've seen and experienced others who have jumped in and love the experience that they're a part of. And the fact of the matter is that all of us ask ourselves major questions when it comes to feeling involved in a faith community, just like Seoul. And the m- most critical question is, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in with all my warts and everything else? And according to Paul, community was God's very plan for the church. You take a look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, you are citizens. Now notice, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together. We are joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are in this together. And so part of God's plans for the church was that those who worship together form this authentic community with one another and that we would become physically uh, what is already true of those who already belong to Jesus spiritually. And that is to become a family with one another. And when you're a family, you're in each other's stuff. Do you know that? You're in each other's stuff, both the good and the bad. And you get to irritate each other. You get to laugh with each other. But you wouldn't dream of not having them around. And that's what family is. Watch this video. since uh, it was six months old. You know, our, our life group, um, one of the hesitancies for Ernie and I to join a life group is that he needs to have an interpreter present. And um, so we brought an interpreter and God provided an interpreter who'd be available weekly. That's, that's a gift. And um, so it's been neat also to see how our life group has been a community and accepting of Ernie, learning signs and those kind of things, but also, um, Ernie on his own cancer journey has had support from different people in the group and prayer when he's going to have tests and different things. So it's been really neat to have that support. But actually what has been super great is Sunday mornings that our group kind of sits together now. And it's been really neat to have that. The deaf section sort of sits alone. And it's been neat to have that group around and um, have our friends around us and our community. And... um, Yet we all have our own other connections within the church, and our, our, it's not just that. It's not that we're exclusive by no means. It's that we are just, we have a diff, there's a different depth with that group because we meet weekly and because we support each other and pray for each other throughout the week and text each other and connect and um, just doing life together. 
And there's really no expectation, I think, that any of us have it all figured out. And we have our blunders and we have our hurts and our disappointments and relational stuff. And that's okay. And we're here to just walk alongside and not judge. And I'm Elroy Friesen. I've been going to Seoul since 2006. Um, so for me, I think things... I've got personal support from this particular group at this particular time in life. I had come through uh, a fairly large loss. Um, my wife passed away of cancer um, a few years before this. And this ended up being a place where there were so many connections, unexpected connections, and people um, who could relate to me and to my situation um, in ways that were beyond just humans coming together. Like, it was really a God thing. Uh, I am sure that is not the only story of life groups out there, uh, or small groups. That is, uh, that was really, uh, that's been an encouragement to me. Uh, I look forward to going to be with these friends of mine for that specific purpose of being together and for sharing and for learning and laughing our heads off and eating great food and really just having a great time. So the practical benefits is having that community of support, of understanding, showing up Sunday morning and seeing these friends and knowing that they know and that they are on my side and they, and we're all just in this together. And I think that, I think that having another le level of, of knowing someone is what gives you that, that desire to show up Sunday morning and to be there for others and you know that they are there for you. If someone's not in a group and they've been coming to Seoul for a long time, they're missing out on something. They're missing out on the depth that they could be having in community, relationships, friendships. Your social life will change. Um, you're, you're, you just have, you come to church and you have, you know somebody's name and they know your name. And that's really cool, I think. Um, a lot of people come to church for a long time and sit in the back row and nobody knows they're there. That breaks my heart because everybody belongs and we're all in this together and walking the road together and journeying together. And so here's the dilemma because much of what we do on Sunday morning is not actually conducive to this community building that I'm talking about. And, and, and hear me loud and clear, I firmly believe without, without question that what we do on Sundays is so important. The fact that we gather together for, court, for worship is a very important time. Gathering from instruction from God's word for prayer. It's an important part. It's a hugely important part of the Jesus following experience. Don't get me wrong. But it isn't the same as building community. And so we have to solve this some way. And the early church saw this happen as well. And, and here's how they dealt with the challenge. Acts chapter 2 it says, All the believers worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for their, the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity while all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so the very first community of believers, they gathered together on a regular basis for worship, for prayer, for study, for fellowship. It wasn't easy to follow Christ in the first century. Times were tough. Persecution was rampant. The early believers were bound together in fellowship in a community because they needed each other. There was strength in their numbers. They knew that it wouldn't happen all the time at the temple in their large group meeting, the equivalent of our Sunday morning experience. So they had a plan of meeting together in their homes. And you notice how, how in the smaller settings, there was the Lord's Supper. There was joy. There was generosity. 
There was community happening. And so they shared their meals together, and, and people wanted to be part of a community like that. Why? Because people crave that kind of relationship. They crave that kind of community. It's still evident today. And when everybody in Seoul actually gets involved in type of this, this type of community, without a doubt, the Lord will begin to supernaturally bless. He will add to us daily because people will see what's going on that they desire, and He begins to shape them through the community manifesting itself. And that's what people want to be a part of. And relationships keep us spiritually thriving. Are you spiritually thriving or are you just surviving? Because there's truly a difference. Surviving means you're just going through the motions. If you're lucky, you do the activities. You do the routines of a Christian life. But if you're thriving, you're going to go through those same motions, activities, and your routines with life, but with a passion and with an enthusiasm because you see God working not only in your life, but you're also in the place where you see God working in the midst of other people's lives. And there's two primary purposes for relationships in the Christian life. The first is to persevere, persevere in faith. Hebrews 3 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you uh, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if deed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. We exhort one another. The writer of Hebrews, he continues, and he says that we're to stir one another up towards love and good deeds. Well, how do we stir each other up to these radical acts of love? That can only happen when you're in connection in a small group setting. As we listen, as we pray, God can give us, give us words of life to address the situation. He begins, the Spirit begins to speak through other people. God brings about radical acts of love by stirring each other up. We need passionate people to stir up the passions in others. In the New Testament, there were no Lone Ranger Christians. Believers needed each other. God expected them to be there for one another. And likewise, we need each other, and God expects us to be there for each other. God has ordained that we play a vital part in each other's faith. For that reason, we're commanded in Hebrews 10.25 not to give up meeting together but to encourage one another. So God has this purpose for putting us all together. You can make a difference in so many different ways. Ways in that you can actually affect change in somebody's life. Ways in which you can radically alter the path of somebody's existence by doing life with them, by walking with them, by introducing them to Christ. The first three simple steps of making a difference is understanding God's call, that God calls us to carry Pastor Jordan, I think, preached on this uh, a while back, over a year ago. And, and, and Paul instructs the believers in Galatians to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. There's no lone ranger here. The Galatian church is struggling with, with what it meant to live life in the reality of Jesus being the Messiah. They're caught up in, in maintaining and adhering to Jewish customs and laws, and they're trying to figure out their freedom in Christ and what it actually meant. And so in a church where they were still drawing lines about what it meant to be an insider or an outsider, Paul's quick to let them know that they, they have the far, power first to be inclusive and second to make a difference in each other's lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul goes on and, and says, Praise God that He has comforted us in our troubles. Well, why has He comforted us? Because that we can then comfort other people. It's never about us. 
when we recognize a hurting brother or sister in our community, we have a responsibility to stop and to carry. We get to move into the pain. We get to move into the world. And we change this world that we are in by carrying. And secondly, another simple step in making a difference is understanding that we give. And here at Seoul, we teach that giving consists of three things, the, of our time, our treasure, and our talents. The giving of our talents is, is one ways in which we as individuals and, and collectively as a community are actually able to make a difference. You know, First Peter says, as you, each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And if you're thinking, well, what are my spiritual gifts? You know, what's my purpose? Well, that's what growth tracks are for. You know, register for the next session. You can go online and do it. It's three sessions. It discovers who we are as a church, who you are in Christ, and how we can partner together to, to discover what God has in store for you, both you individually, but us as a community. Each of us has unique talents and abilities which are necessary for the body of Christ. To sit on the sidelines showing up each Sunday but not participating in one way or another isn't an option according to biblical Christianity. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul instructs the church that as followers of Christ, they are one unit. Each one of us has a unique part to play, a unique role in the body. Some are the ear, some are the eye, but every role is different, but they're all important. And so diversity in ability is important for the body of Christ. The body needs those who are strong administrators to keep us organized. The body needs those who are good financiers. The body needs those who have the patience to listen to those who are EGR. Do you know what those are? Those are the extra grace required people. We need those who can listen to them. The body needs to know how to uh, have those who know how to settle a crying child. I was preaching this in the first gathering, and this little guy was walking back and forth and trying to get up on stage until mom finally came, and sure enough, he's crying on the way out. It was beautiful. You couldn't time it better. The body needs those people who can preach. The body needs those people who can teach. The body needs those people who can sing and those who can play and who can lift and stack and move and organize and get creative. The list goes on. And so we give of our time. It's your most valued commodity, right? Because as soon as we're born, the, the clock starts ticking. And your time and my time, it's all a limited resource. And if you're anything like me, you don't like people wasting your time. Now, I'm down with a couple of pleasantries to start with, but then let's get down to business. Next is your treasure. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I crushed the topic last week. Just throwing it out there. I'll just say this. As a follower of Christ, you don't have a right to your money. God has given you the ability to earn so that you can give. It's God's care for somebody else provided by us. It's, it's proof of love for God and others when we give, when we're generous. So we care, we give. The third way we make a difference is that we share. And we change this world by sharing the good news of Jesus so that other people can know God, so that they can know freedom, so that they may know purpose and that they too can make a difference. The youth have a saying that they use all the time, found people, find people. And if you've been found by the grace of God and you've experienced what it means to be forgiven of your sin, to find freedom and liberation in the risen Christ, then you are to go and to share the gift that you've received to others who have not yet. 
And as you read the book of Acts, and we see that they made every effort to be led by God's Spirit and to think and to act like Christ. And consequently, God used this community of faith to do some very powerful things and in the lives of countless believers living in a pagan world. And yet God's plan still hasn't changed. He still desires to use his church to do some powerful things in our lives. And the community of faith is absolutely crucial to our spiritual well-being. We all have a desire to connect with others. And we still have our reservations. We still have our fears. There are people who are afraid of commitment. You know, in the years past, people could say, yeah, I need community. I need a friend. You know, I need a group of people around me. I hear this all the time. But when it actually came the time for them to get involved in a life group or to sign up, the fear would actually set in. And many times people would think about the life groups and then they felt, well, if I do that and I join it, then like, I'm going to have to be with that group of people until I die or until Jesus comes back because that's, you know, we, our mind sort of starts going crazy. So in case you didn't know, and I'm pushing life groups, if you haven't figured that out yet. But we do have a clear beginning and a clear ending. You know, you can leave at any point if you wish. You walk into a group, you go, ah, oh, this is not for me. Look, because there's no pressure, no hard feelings. We get it. You can choose from weekly to bi-weekly to a monthly time meeting. You know, all you need to do is sign up on the website. As a matter of fact, you can go right here, right on your phone, or even better yet, you can go in the back on your way out, and we will give you a donut once you sign up. We'll give you the donut just to hold you over as you go and go for the buffet. You know what I'm saying? You know, we have a few iPads in the atrium and, and Jordan and a few other people are there and they'll a- answer any questions you may have. Or, or maybe you want to host or, or facilitate a group. You know, talk with Pastor Jordan in the atrium. As a matter of fact, I think last, last gathering we, we actually added two new groups that are going to be coming out. Or you just call us. Contact the office. You know, when we did this, we got a few extra groups last year just because people were willing to lead and facilitate. And it's so easy. I'm amazed by how many people are bent out of shape about leading a life group. Well, I'm not holy enough. No, that's good. Just get in line because we're all all not holy enough. The fact of the matter is we're in this together. And as a matter of fact, what we have done here on our part is we make it so easy for you. So we're part of this uh, internet group called Right Now Media, and you can pick whatever you want to study. You plug it in, turn it on your TV, and there it is. And then all you got to do is facilitate. It's that easy. So we need hosts. Oh, we want hosts. We want uh, leaders who are willing to uh, facilitate facilitate which is so easy to do and you bring community together in a moment pastor jordan mcclellan is going to lead us in communion and as jesse and his team come up another fear that people have when it comes to community is that your group will be full of weird or crazy people so right now what i'd like you to do is take a look around you please Just look around. Look and make eye contact with people you don't know. It's very uncomfortable, but just look and make eye contact. I hope you can see. Now, everybody you're looking at thinks that they are normal. All right, you got it? You tracking with me on this one? So what I'd like you to do is now look at everybody and just stare. Just stare. There we go. Now, do you feel like you're surrounded by crazy people? Because if not, then the nutter is probably you. Just throwing it out there. Just being honest with you. Right? We're all a little cuckoo in our own way. We're all little nuts. We all are. We're all a little bit on our edge of crazy. Now, some people take their crazy to an entirely different level. And, and 
and it actually makes it more difficult to handle, right, than others. But understanding the type of nut job that you are and learning to face a, a few new coping skills actually prepares you when you get into a group of other people. And it actually prepares you to deal with the next raving lunatic that may come across your path. So with that in mind, we're going to be going to the communion tables. And you're going to be walking up to the elements, and Pastor Jordan will explain what takes place. And it's, it's interesting because you're going to be walking beside somebody going, are they nutty as I am? I'm not quite sure, but we'll figure it out. But that's the beauty of community. I get the privilege. I got two life groups. I got uh, a family life group, and I got one with young adults. And, and it's a privilege. It's, it's fun, and it's interesting to see how transparency happens. It's interesting to see how trust is built. It's interesting to see when one person starts becoming emotional on how other people respond. It's interesting to see the dialogues that take place. It's rewarding. It's rewarding. It's necessary. It's the way that we're created. Jesus tells the disciples to go into the world and make disciples. Matthew chapter 28. And the tru truth is that you and I, were always going, right? We're going to school, we're going to work. Pretty soon you're going out for lunch. So if we're going, then how do we make disciples? I firmly believe, I firmly believe that we have the power to change the world here at Seoul. I firmly believe that. And when we begin to carry one another's burdens, when you give of yourself, when you give of your time, your talents, your treasures, and when you share life together, and you share the changing power of Christ with others, then beautiful things begin to happen. And what happens is we see the kingdom of God at work in a broken world. We see beauty rise where maybe there was once only death. We see redemption when there was once hopelessness. And then when we know God, we know freedom, we know purpose, and then we're able to make a difference that is lasting. And that is Holy Spirit-inspired. And that's what truly changes the world. So I leave that with you today. You need community if you're not plugged in. You need it. Well, I need to think about it. Great, think about it, because you can always register online. You need community. You need people. Oh, they're strangers. That's fine. It's called making friends. It's the way you are wired. So let's begin to live the way that God has designed us to live.